Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Elevation podcast series presented by the Colorado PGA. My name is Holly Champion, and I'm the Player Development Director for the Colorado PGA. This week, we will be elevating our understanding of sales training. The education to become a PGA professional seems totally void of sales training, but luckily, our experts are here to help. I'm joined by our co-host, Andy Hiltz, PGA Master Professional and the owner of Hiltz Golf. Andy is a recognized expert in the business of golf instruction and a leader in the growing field of revenue optimization for golf academies. From 2005 to 2013, Andy oversaw teacher training for Golf Tech, guiding and mentoring some 2,000 Golf Tech coaches worldwide. Prior to that, he was a full-time golf coach, giving over 12,000 lessons. Our guest this week is Josh Pitchford, or as Andy refers to him as Pitch. Josh is a partner at Sandler Training Atlanta, where he works with and trains businesses of all sizes and within many industries who wish to improve their sales acumen. Prior to his time at Sandler, Pitchford, a former PGA professional, spent six years with Golf Tech where he and Andy, college buddies from Mississippi State's PGA Golf Management Program, worked side by side. As the National Director of Sales for Golf Tech, Josh was responsible for the sales efforts of nearly 600 coaches, accounting for over $60 million in golf lesson sales. Please enjoy this episode of the Elevation Podcast Series. Thank you, Andy and Josh, for joining us for the Elevation Podcast this week, um, talking about sales training as it pertains to golf. So, uh, Josh, welcome. Thank you. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you come from, and what your background is? Hey, uh, thanks for having me, Holly and Andy. I, my background is, is a crazy one, uh, in sales, but the, the golf side of things is, uh, went to Mississippi state. That's where I met Andy Hiltz first time. And when I said it kind of, as we were getting started a little bit ago, uh, I met Andy 25 years ago this year. That's, uh, that's crazy. Uh, in the fall of 1995, what happened, uh, at Mississippi state. And, uh, we were, uh, we were part of a, uh, small golf startup after college called golf tech. At the time it was a small little startup and, uh, kind of had a lot of different roles there. Finally landed. Uh, my my final role at Golf Tech was national director of sales. I actually sat in the office right next to Andy. Unbelievably, uh, and uh, we were we were working with a firm called Sandler Training. And uh, after a couple of years, I decided to take a role where I became a Sandler trainer. And Sandler Training is the world's largest training organization. We have about 280 offices worldwide, and I'm a part of. Um, one of those offices in Alpharetta, Georgia, just north of Atlanta. And um, and so I help businesses from solopreneurs up to those with thousands of employees um, update, elevate their sales process and train to those processes and implement systems uh, across their sales organization now. That's kind of my role. Great. Thank you. And uh, Andy, why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of background on you? Yeah, I guess like Josh said, 25 years. Thanks for making me feel older than I already feel. Uh, much appreciated, Mitch. You're That's welcome. a nice little, nice little intro. Um, yeah, I spent uh, 18 years with Golf Tech, 
you know, a variety of roles from coach all the way to uh, vice president of instruction and, and education, where we trained all the coaches, not only on the sales side of things, but on the teaching side of things, uh, which was awesome. Had an, had an amazing run at Golf Tech. It was super cool to watch it go from, geez, I don't know, 10 dozen college buddies to, you know, what it is now at 750 coaches and obviously headquartered here in Denver and, um, Awesome experience there. Last couple of years, um, I spent with the Golf Channel, uh, Golf Channel running a group called the Proponent Group, which is a, a member network of 700 of the top teachers in, in America. I think we had 75 of the top 100 teachers that were members. Um, Golf Channel obviously is in a, a shifting time right now with the amount of money they had to spend with the PGA Tour and the Tea Time business. That's kind of they're all in on those two businesses, and it. Um, it gave me the opportunity with Golf Channel kind of, I'll say, uh, minimizing some of the extra things that they had going on. I was the right way to say it or not, but it gave me a chance to go do what I've been thinking about for more than a decade and run a consulting, my own consulting business and sales training and consulting with the top academies across the country. So. I've recently been working with uh, on, on Zoom calls with Henry Brunton's Academy and Jim McLean's Academy and Bobby Clampett and a host of different professionals from around the country. And it's been fun to kind of take some of the, you know, sales training business acumen that, you know, I've been privy enough to, to learn through my years at Golf Tech and help other academies succeed. And we're seeing it's been fun to just watch some of the results uh, kind of roll in after you know, a year or so of doing this. Um, it's been pretty cool. So, yeah, uh, life's good. Can't can't complain with uh, uh, my role in golf has been very different, I would say, that, than most. But it's been it's been awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's that's really cool that you both met at Golf Tech and have kind of watched it blossom into the incredible business that it is. Um, so, just to kind of dive right into sales, um, if you were running, say. A training today for golf professionals that are either new to their own academy or trying to grow their lesson business. How would you start that off, Josh? Oh, um, you know, there's there's a couple things. It, one of the things that we always talk about at Sandler, one of the core principles, and I get the question all the time when I'm meeting with new prospective clients, it's like, you go out there, there's a lot of different sales training. There's a lot of different things. There's some great stuff out there. Just like there's different uh, golf instruction academies and different coaches. And, but one of the core concepts of Sandler are the success triangles, BAT. And it stands for behavior, attitude, and technique. And there are all kinds of ways that, that we need to improve, um, you know, behaviors or activities, as I call it. Uh, there's tech sales techniques. But the bigger one that I spend a lot of time in is the attitude triangle. And we spend so much time, and I say we as golf coaches um, and, and those kind of things, helping others that always say that, you know, when we, you know, this is, this is being recorded during COVID-19 times. And, you know, we used to do these crazy things like get on airplanes every now and then. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but we used to do that. And they made this announcement where, you know, if something went wrong and the mass dropped down, you, you put one on yourself first before taking care of others. And so I do a fair amount of time, uh, spend a fair amount of time doing work around helping people um, build up their own mindset 
and, and where I'm talking about that is, is the conviction in what you're selling and how you can help people as a golf coach. It's going to help you make sure that you're staying in your clients' lives and, and you're, you're doing one, one of the things and, and Andy's getting ready to smile is that you're staying in front of them all the time and you know that you need to touch them often. And it's not just a lesson every now and then and, and making sure they're booked out on their lesson program. And that takes a certain amount of conviction that you're helping them with. And I talk about all the time, you got to sell yourself first before you can pretend to sell anybody anything. Every single day, there should be a process of journaling or something that makes you feel better about yourself and your role so that you can have that conviction to go out and and help others. Uh, so help yourself first and then go help others. So I would be working on the attitude side uh, if I was starting to help somebody right now. So yep. uh, I, I see the same thing pitch right now. So, you know, I, I go back to what Gary tra- you know, trained us in, in Sandler originally, he called it head trash. Mm-hmm. I see so much head trash with almost every single coach I work with. I've got a group of eight coaches I'm working with right now. Um, just on Zoom calls and, and doing training. And we've had a, a consulting call with each of them individually. And every single one of them have got massive head trash about a variety of different things, whether it's their price and their, I, I can't charge that much, whether it's about the number of lessons we're trying to get them to sell because they're used to selling, you know, whatever, one, three, five, or just one at a time, which is awful in, in my opinion. And there's just so much head trash around it. And I'll even use, you know, my, my previous boss was Lauren Anderson and Lauren created the top 100 list. And I spent a lot of time with his wife, Cheryl and Cheryl is, you know, she's been top 100 for a long, long time, top 50 LPGA teacher. She works with Mike Bender. She works with a ton of great players. And we started looking at her menu. Like the first thing I said is Cheryl, like you're only selling like five lessons at a time. Like we need to sell 50. I can't do that. No way. That, that's too many. My, my students don't need that many lessons. My students will never buy that many lessons. My students won't spend that much money. Like all these different things surface. And I think all the head trash that I had too. But anyway, it, it takes a while to get through it. I started working with Cheryl more than a year ago. And this week I got an email from Cheryl. Andy sold my first 30 pack ever. Thank you very much. And it's taken her a year Here's one of the best in the country at what she's doing. It took her a year to get past some of that head trash and get comfortable with selling her services. Who who are we to decide what they'll buy? Right? Who are we to decide? But we Let do it with our, with our mindset of money, right? We do yeah, with our exactly. as golf pros, our, our money, which I know you maybe you can touch on money concept a little bit. <laughs> like we're, 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 we're poorly paid. You know, my, one of my first bosses in the golf business said, welcome to the business of maximum hours and minimum pay. And I said, excuse me. He said, you'll figure it out. Don't worry. And he was right. Was- and I, th- I think that money concept sticks with us forever. That, that was not in the brochure, was it? We went no, <laughs> right. It wasn't in the, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the, the pamphlet when we were signing up to go, uh, sign up for this thing. It wasn't in the pamphlet. And so that was not, you know, Dr. Jones did not talk about that. <laughs> no, Dr. Jones did not talk about that. God rest his soul. One of the best people on the planet, as long as you were on his right side, man, exactly. uh, Jones, I miss me say, but, uh, if you weren't on his right side, not so much. Um, 
So, you know, Andy may remember me and he probably walked in on me saying this to groups of GTU classes and GTU's Golf Tech University um, that we would host uh, a couple of classes a month uh, of 10 to 15 new new coaches at Golf Tech as we were going through this huge expansion and the, the money concept that we had to deal with. And a lot of times they were they were new either out of school or they were, you know, had been assistant somewhere and they were certainly you know, maximum hours minimum pay is is the assistant golf pro world and and andy probably remembers me saying this to a few few classes and i don't know how well it went across but i would say listen you can't afford you and so i would have to coach them up and said you can't sell out of your own pocket we would sell uh you know plans and programs at golf tag that you know they were like five grand and there was no way some of the coaches that that just wasn't in their budget. So they didn't realize that the people that the marketing dollars put in front of them and the people they interacted with, $5,000 isn't that much money to these folks. And it's like, when you look at for a year, I get access to my coach for a year and I get all this stuff. It's just not that much money. And you had to reset that money concept that, what what may be a lot of money to you isn't a lot of money to the people that are interacting with me. Think about, you know, what are they paying on a monthly basis to be a part of the club they're at? You look at their club bill on a monthly basis or the check they stroke to even become a member. 5000 bucks or whatever it is is not a whole lot of money. I mean, what's a 30-pack for Cheryl? I think she was uh, like a buck fifty an hour, so four four k rough rough and tough. I don't know. I can remember her exact numbers. Right, I might sign up tomorrow. I need some help. I'm getting back into yeah. it. So, and here's one of the top coaches in the country, right? I mean, yeah. You know, and to rate and to raise her price, that was a whole separate conversation. Like she's still, I haven't still gotten her to raise her prices yet. She had a hard enough time just offering more lessons. You know, and that's, I think to to me too. You you, know, you asked that question, Holly, about what would you start with? Certainly, head trash and money concept, and your attitude towards sales is a, is a huge, huge one to begin with. But then it's also, I think, the you know, pitch you mentioned that you know the the T that the technique component. Like, w- walk through a little bit from a technique perspective. What you, I know what I see. I'm sure you've seen the same thing. Like what technique does your assistant pro, does your head pro, does your teaching, your, your standard teaching pro use to make a sale versus uh, what's the right way to do it? Um, there's a couple. If we put it back in Sandler terms, uh, uh, I might go a couple of different areas that that, that Andy's probably expecting. Uh, number one, people have got to show up expecting to buy. Um, there, there's a tool inside of Sandler called the Upfront Contract, and it's about setting expectations as to what's next. We never, ever hard close anyone. My whole role is to make sure I change people's mindset and their technique away from being that prototypical salesy person. And and nobody wants that. And when you tell people earlier, you know, one of the things that we we try to implement at Golf Tech, and and I would certainly tell people to do it now, is when somebody books a a first session with you and you, you want them to sign up for multiple sessions and go ahead and book those out, you tell them ahead of time, hey, here are a couple of things we're going to do. We're going to go through your swing. We're going to, you know, we're going to identify a game plan to make you better. And 
couple things. I'm sure you'll have her phone on you. So we'll, we'll schedule out your, your sessions to make sure we're, we're staying on track and we'll decide what plan fits best at the end. So we'll discuss that together. And when we're telling them ahead of time, we never have to hard close anyone. And then definitely on the technique side is remembering people don't buy because their golf swings ugly. We always talk about people buy because their buddies make fun of them. And so it's all about getting to the emotional reason why they're buying. We have a Sandler rule. People buy emotionally. They only justify their decisions logically. And so they buy emotionally because they're, they're, you know, their buddies are making fun of them or they're just not, it's, it's an emotional game. And so number one, the stuff fits perfectly in there. And then the logic though, is making sure that you're the one to help them. And there's a, there's a Sandler trainer in our network. And uh, um, he said something to me one time that I I think goes a long way. uh, That's something that the listeners might, might want to write down is, uh, and I'll put it in normal uh, words that we use, but, but it's uh, put it into your, your world is that people will meet with you because they hope you can fix their problem. They will buy from you because they believe you can. And so it is your, your job to give them a little bit of hope to take the first session with you. But in that first session, they're going to have to build belief through your conviction first. They'll build belief to book multiple sessions and buy multiple sessions at a premium um, because you connected with them, you found their issues, and you know why they're there in the first place. So uh, it goes back to some technique stuff, but obviously some attitudinal stuff there too. One of the ones for me that I always think about is watching coaches handle that price. I guess I'll call it an objection to start Mm -hmm. with. And they always, because that's one of the first questions that comes out of most people's mouths, right? They ask you on the first call, Hey, what's it cost? And and how we answer that question obviously tees us up for success down the road. But I feel like a coach gets asked that question and they immediately put their, you know, their budget, their wallet, (laughs) <laughs> in their own head, right? The, oh, this this person is price conscious. Well, look, that's just a, a, a question that almost any consumer is going to ask at some point. And just because they asked it doesn't mean that they're saying your price is too expensive. And it's no. like, get past that and and find the emotional reasons that the person is is in. And if anyway, that that to me it's is never the, about the money. It's never about the money. It's not about the money. It's about my buddies are beating, you know, beating me and laughing at me. I'm embarrassed at work. (laughs) I couldn't close business because I was doing a you know business on the golf course. My my wife is beating me. Like whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's the emotions. It's I sliced it into the road on 16 at Walshire and I hit a car window, or I bladed it over the green on number seven at Glenmore into the into the you know my neighbor's house, and now I'm the laughing stock at the club because I got to pay for Jim's new window right i mean those are the things that people are taking golf lessons for it's not because five grand for golf lessons five grand for golf lessons is cheap having versus having to leave a club and go join somewhere else because you can't you can't deal with showing up and having your buddies make fun of you about the window you broke in the clubhouse five thousand bucks is cheap shoot it's never about the money i'm with you and so there you know you're looking at objections there's a lot of ways i always try to say if we can get to it before they do 
great. But, you know, one thing that your listeners on the technique side might enjoy is if they do get peppered with the, uh, if they get peppered with the, how much is this going to cost? And Andy, let's role play this real quick. Be a typical uh, person would call in and say, Hey, Hey, you know, how much is this? How how much does this cost? Do do it just like we would get a call back in the day. I get to be the new student or I can do have to be the coach. No, no, no. You get to be the student, man. I'm going to give them the mean. Perfect. I love it. I love you. Come on. This is not stump the trainer. Come on, man. These people, our poor listeners may forget that my last name's Pitchford and you keep on calling me pitch. And I'm afraid they're thinking you're calling me something else. So I got to re-announce that. So anyway, it's a little little trash of my own there. So So ring, 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 ring. So, so let's just skip to the point where you ask me how much it is. So Josh, I'm calling to find out how much you charge for lessons. Hey, what? Wow. Uh, Well, first of all, you know, out of role, I would ask them this. I would say, hey, I appreciate it. Um, You know, we've got a lot of different plans and programs. What's got you looking into golf lessons? Point of that is we're trying to get them back into pain a little bit. But let's skip to the point, Andy. I just want to give somebody what I call uh, our listeners, what I call a three part budget question. and if you, if you ask, you know, how much am I looking at when I come in? So you asked me something like that. Yeah. So ballpark, Josh, what am I looking at for, uh, to, to fix my slice and then stop the fat shots and, 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 and get me under a hundred the first time. Hey, I, I tell you what, and, uh, you know, there, because we do have a lot of different things. So, you know, don't hold me to this. It's not a, you know, it's not an absolute number, but, you know, we had based on what you're looking at clients I've worked with in the past, you're looking anywhere from lowest end investment, probably 12 to 1500 all the way up to, you know, if we, if we come friends for life, you could be looking four to 5,000 bucks. I mean, is that something that you had in mind? And so, I just want to give our listeners there what I did. It's not, it's not absolutes. And so you kind of struggle with it a little bit. You give a range and then it always ends with what we call is a reverse to see if that's something that they had in mind. Because if you're on the phone and they're peppering you for price already, you want to know right then and there, are you out of their price range? And I guarantee you 95 plus percent of the time you're not. But you got to put it out there because you want to know then rather than later is if they're going to go, what are you talking about? $5,000. They're not going to do that. But you want to know now versus later. And so that's a little three three step budget question that we use to make sure that we're putting some price ranges out there before the for the client potential client even shows up so that that we know and they know uh, where the investment range is going to be. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense and something that your listeners can go uh, go implement when they get peppered for that pricing question. Holly, I think you tried to bust in there a little bit earlier. Sorry, you got two chatterboxes here. What did you have a little bit earlier? No, you're good. Um, I think you're making great points, and I love that. Um, Andy kind of dabbled in it a little bit earlier with your example of one of the best coaches in the country not thinking that she could sell or he could sell a package like that. Um At the PGA level, both section and national, we've done a lot of work with trying to work people into know your worth. You are a certified professional by one of the 
largest sports organizations in the world. That is why you go through your training. So can both of you talk a little bit about how an instructor who's trying to grow their business or trying to grow sales technique, how they need to know their worth and know that, yes, those numbers are achievable. Because it's, I think, you know, and obviously everybody's different. You look at you, somebody could pay $5,000 for a lesson package. Somebody could pay $15,000 for a lesson package, or somebody could pay 50 bucks and get a punch card at, you know, your local XYZ driving range from somebody. So I'd love to, to take that one on. And I, um, I'm a very, and I'll preface my, my comment with, I'm a very, very proud PGA member, a PGA master professional at, at that. I'm very, very proud of the certifications I've gone through. They've been incredibly helpful in my knowledge. Um, and I don't want to piss anybody off about you know, certifications. So let me just preface that with, with that. They don't care about your certifications. They really don't. They care if you're the one that can fix their pains. And if you can do a great job of getting them to understand why they're hitting the shots that they do, and if you can get a, do a great job of building a plan of lessons, they don't care if you're a PGA member or a non-PGA member or you're stack and tilt certified or you're TPI certified or you're biomechanics, whatever it is. And again, I'll preface that by saying I'm a huge fan of certifications. I've gone through a lot of them myself, but people don't ask about that stuff a whole lot. They care if you're going to help them get better. And, and that's... I guess the first way I would answer that. The second one on, on worth is I've worked with a ton of coaches to raise their pricing, right? They're a hundred an hour and they want to get to be 150 an hour. And typically when I work with coaches to do that, I use the Sandler techniques. Why? Why is that important? I'll use an example of a coach I work with. You know, she said, Andy, I, I got to raise my prices. Okay. Well, why? And her next was, well, I just, you know, I want to spend more time with my family. Okay, I, I get that. Tell me more about that, though. Like, <laughs> when you say you want to spend more time with your family, like, how much time are you spending right now? She's like, well, none. I go, what do you mean, none? Can't be none. Certainly, you're there to put the kids to bed at night. She said, no, well, uh, and, and the third question I asked, she started crying. She said, uh-huh. well, I have, I have twins. And last summer, I got to see one baseball game from one of the twins. The second twin, I didn't get to see a game. And that second twin is still holding it over my head a year later. So from a pain perspective, here's a coach that is trying to raise her prices, was afraid to do it. And her pain was she needed to spend more time with her kids. Rightfully so. She's teaching seven days a week in the summertime. Like you can't do that. And she's teaching, you know, she's teaching like 12 hour days, seven days a week. Right. You can't do that. That's not healthy. So to me, uh, when you, when you talk about worth, it certainly is a mindset. It certainly is, um, you know, tough for us to get past charging a lot more money than we think we're, you know, in the back of our mind that will, than what we're really worth. Um, but every coach I've worked with who's raised their prices has increased their business and they have lost either one or zero customers. They, I mean, people don't care if they're, if they're seeing results and if you are a coach that's busy, when I say busy, you don't have a lesson available on your schedule book for, you know, two or three weeks. That's a busy coach. And we can talk about booking out as a strategy later on as a technique, but uh, that to me is a busy coach. And when you're that busy, your worth goes up. So if you have a hard time with your worth and your mindset, learn to book your students out. So you're booked out for months in advance. And by the way, she was booked out two months in advance in March. So as of like March 1, she did not have a lesson available until beginning of, of May. Um, so 
obviously her worth was was completely skewed. But anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Pitch, what's your, what's your <laughs> comment on worth? I I, I I am struggling with this one. I'm trying to do the math. Like seven, twelve. I'm just lazy. <laughs> I like to work less hard and make more money. Um, and so I've never had a problem with money concept. I don't know. I, I, and it's just like, I, and that's the reason I'm so convicted to help others with it. Uh, that, you know, when you're looking at that and I love what Andy did there, I mean, that is solid gold because he's talking about the Sandler pain funnel. If your listeners just go to Google, type in Sandler pain funnel, hit the button images and take the first image is going to be nine questions that will literally change their sales life. And they can R and D rip off and deploy those things. I am awesome. That is cool with me. It's readily available, but we have to also put ourselves in pain. We're putting our our prospective client in pain to get them to buy by talking about, you know, all the stuff that Andy listed, right? His buddies are making fun of him, wife's beating him, whatever it happens to be, right? We got to put ourselves in pain every now and then. Why does it matter? And that's exactly what he did with that professional he was talking about that. Is it more painful to miss a kid's baseball game because you have to teach more to make enough money? Or what matters more? And so I think that there, and it's amazing what he said about every time you raise your prices, there's that perceived value goes up. It's like, wow, they must, dang, they must be worth something. Right. And, but it's that darn money concept that we go to that we're so afraid of losing something. And, And I want you to remember, you can't lose anything you don't have. And if you don't have, a client that won't pay that, well, you already don't have them. Just go ahead and raise your prices. Don't worry about it. The people that are, I mean, this lady's talking about booked out two months. I mean, shoot, that that is, I mean, basic economics, supply and demand. When supply goes down, demand goes up and guess what? So do prices. And that's what, that's what we want to have happen. So there's another saying the rule that might be a little in your face, but it goes back to that conviction thing. You're getting paid exactly what you think you're worth. Not a penny more, not a penny less. And find ways to change what you think you are worth. One of the things I started doing, this has been two or three years ago now. I was probably a year into my Sandler business. And I always kid around. This is the hardest the hard the hardest business in the world to get started in because we we sell really expensive things that nobody thinks they need. Um and so uh, the first 18 months in the Sandler business was rather difficult. So what I started about a year in is anytime I got a thank you from a client or anytime I told them something or coached them up on something that they just, it, it, it closed something for them and they said, thank you. And I know the professionals that are listening to this get emails and texts and like, oh my gosh, like career rounds and these things. You got to keep that in like a good news folder in your email. And there, when there are days when you wake up that things aren't going right, or, you know, you just don't feel great. Go read that, go read that email file. It will get you back in the right mindset to be able to go charge what you're worth. Um, and go ahead and reset how you feel about yourself. And and I didn't realize this was going to go into conviction so much, but it makes such a huge difference in the folks out there. Hey, Pitch, would you, uh, for it. Yeah, buddy. 
I love it, man. Good. It's great. It's great stuff. Certainly is. Uh, uh, there were some question marks in my mind as to my worth when I was let go from my first job ever in my life. When I was let go from the Golf Channel, obviously because of their downsizing of the business, nothing that I did mm-hmm. professionally. But that was a kick in the teeth, man. Like that was a big yeah. kick in the teeth, and it took me a while to kind of get past the fact that and this was nothing that I did, and that's exactly what I did. I went back and read some of the testimonials from the people that I'd worked with, and it was uh, really, really, really helpful. I want you to roll play though with me, so. I had one this morning. One of the coaches I'm working with right now is relatively new to teaching. Uh, it's his mm-hmm. first year of teaching. And he said, you know, Andy, I, I get all that. And that makes all kinds of sense. But like, I need money. Like I need, I need business right now. And if I, if I charge too much, I'm not going to get any business. So walk me through, how would you advise that coach who, who doesn't have a full book right now, who truly does need the money? Cause this is, he's, he's made the plunge. I'm in. I'm in for full-time coaching for the first time in my career. How, what would you do with him? Um, I think it all goes back to the behavior. If we go back to the AT triangle that I, that I um, talked about earlier is do the math. So how much does he need to make? And so I would, it's always freeing. It's, it's so funny. I'm going to go way off on a tangent here. Uh, everybody's heard of budgeting and, you know, laying out how much money, much money you need. Well, one of the things I help sales, salespeople, sales leaders with is, okay, well, instead of just putting some kind of crazy goal out there, let's do the math. And so what it almost is, is freeing to realize, okay, well, here is a plan of action. What do I need to do? Because guess what? When you're going in new and you're building a book of business, it doesn't matter if you're selling golf lessons, if you're selling software, if you're selling roofs, uh, commercial roofing. I work with a bunch of roofers, believe it or not, in my business now. I've stumbled into this roofing thing uh, that I help people. It doesn't matter. It goes back to what behaviors do you have to do day in, day out, consistently. And it's not just about coaching, because I would say that a lot of times, Andy, and I think you'll agree with me on this, is that it's we golf coaches have a ton of swing acumen. They need to be better about the business acumen and obviously just the sales stuff we're talking right now. And so do the math, do the math of how many, how much outreach do I need to do? How do I go about building a business plan to build an impact in inbound flow of people reaching out to me? What am I doing as far as getting out on LinkedIn, Facebook and social, you know, putting things out there that, that give me a little bit of credibility in the marketplace and how much of those behaviors do we need to do to, to then end up being first new appointments? What's my close percentage? How many of those am I turning into ongoing regular, uh, regular people that are taking lessons from me and how much do I need to charge? And you got to do the math. And when you do the math, it's freeing because then it's, it's a rather than being subjective of I got to sell more, it's objective. What do I need to do in each one of these behaviors that if I do it, I do it well and I do it consistently, the outcomes take care of itself. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great points. And Josh, I want to expand a little bit on what you just talked about. You kind of rattled off there some data points that 
you know, an instructor, I think probably should keep in mind and know about their business. You know, what is your close percentage? What is your retention rate? How many, you know, how many lessons on average do each of your clients take in a three month period, six month period, 12 month period, whatever the case may be, you know, how important is measurement of those things in your business towards how you sell? Uh, Undescribable. Uh, jump on that one. And Andy, Andy's just chomping at the bit. Oh, For your listeners, we can see each other. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you you mentioned just a minute ago about all these golf coaches have questions yeah. at all. Generally speaking, they spend all their time and investment dollars investing in their coaching acumen, right? They yeah. try to be, become great coaches and they, they, they believe that they're going to be viewed more credible by their student base if they've got 10 different certification listed off on their email bio. And that's great. It's important. And yes, I'm one of those coaches who listed off a bunch of different things on my bio. But at the end of the day, when it comes to the business side of this business, like, and, and look, I, I love golf coaches. I've spent my career helping and training and, and being around golf coaches as my, as my friends, but they are God awful when it comes to business. And it's not that hard. It's not that hard. You have to measure a few key things. You have to measure new students and close rate. You have to measure AOV. You have to measure how many lessons you have booked. You have to measure how many lessons you've taught you've taught total to a specific person. And I work, like I said, I've worked with some of the top academies. You could argue, you know, three of the top five academies in the country I've worked with, and they don't measure anything. It's brutal. Dogs in our business, and they're not measuring. I mean, sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. It just gets me so fired up. And they don't. the problem is they don't have a clue about their business then. They have these ideas that they think are what's, oh, I just need more students. I'm like, that's been the most common no. thing I hear. And they don't need more students. You need to close no. the ones you have. <laughs> you need to book them into longer term plans. And your business will be just fine if you just do, do those, you know, those things. But anyway, I'll, sorry, I'll get off my, that's a, you, you hit a chord on that one for me. <laughs> I was, I was trying to save our listeners from that, but I've heard that rant. I don't know umpteen times because it's like, if you put Andy and I, and we're being good because we're literally what 15, 1600 miles apart right now. I'm in Atlanta. He's in Denver. If we had two frosty cold ones in front of us right now, and this is conversations happen umpteen times, <laughs> we would say the exact same thing. I will say this. Golf Tech's success as a business does not come down to all the unbelievable technology to teach people. It comes down to their reporting and how they track everything inside that business. Agree, disagree, Andy. Agreed. Unbelievable. I, I, I did not realize until I left golf tech, God love that business. And they're awesome. I look back and, and they report everything. And there was so much accountability because everybody saw everybody's numbers. And so I was visiting with a commercial insurance company. This has been a few months ago now. And a little tear almost came to my eye, man. I walked in and you talk about it, it was almost boiler room feeling. They walk in and they had screens with everybody's, you know, behaviors. How many calls have they made? What's their closing? And it was like, man, this is, this feels a lot like the stuff that, uh, that we did at, at golf tech to, to measure numbers. And Andy hit, hit something that's huge there. And I can bring a little Sandler concept in on it. He said, you don't need more people. 
you don't need more people. We have a model inside of Sandler. That's something that your listeners might, might latch on to. You need to have a behavior plan around what am I doing? And it's called care and it's misspelled care. It starts with a K keep it's a little acronym for you. Keep attain, recapture, and expand. What are your behaviors around those four areas? Number one, what are you doing to keep the clients that you have right now? You need to be booking them out. You need to be making them better. You need to be touching base with them. You need to be building a relationship all the time. Whatever your behaviors need to be to be able to keep attain, right? We all believe that we want to add more, but Attain is where we spend way too much focus trying to get more people, more business all the time, where it's probably a smaller subset, you know, for most. I mean, the, the, the person that Andy talked about a little bit earlier that's brand new to the game, all his behaviors need to be inside of attaining new business. The R is recapture. Is there, are there people that you used to uh, teach that kind of fell off your radar or whatever? You need to go reestablish or recapture them as a client or at least reestablish the relationship. So what behaviors are you doing to reach out to past clients right now? And then expand. Are there people that are currently, you know, dabbling in your program? They're buying a one-off lesson here or there. They're buying, you know, a three or five pack year, you need to get their, their, you need to get commitment from them to expand, to get on a consistent lesson schedule so that you're seeing them consistently and they're getting better. They're becoming raving fans, which then they turn in to your attain apparatus through referrals um, and making sure your raving fans are filling your book of business with new people. Um, it's just such a, such a, a cycle when you when you when you stay in touch with people, when you keep them in the lesson book, they get better and they send your buddies, send send you their buddies, and then all of a sudden it's just um, it's just a flywheel that keeps on going, um, and it doesn't matter what you're selling, especially golf lessons. That's how it works. So anyway, great great concepts of you know, do you really need more business or is it more about retention and long term programming to keep those people in? I mean especially if you do a good job and you build that relationship, you can have clients for years. It's been, I mean, I'm trying to think my last full teaching job was being the lead instructor at a PGA Tour Superstore. And I still have clients that reach out to me via Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever social media, you know, fits the bill. They're like, are you, you know, I, oh, I saw that you got a new job a few years back. Are you teaching again? Would love to come back for less. I mean, those people are the ones that you, once you get them on your side, like you can't, you can't stop them. They're going to, they're going to grow your business for you no matter what. So Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. I don't know if they're uh, still taking lessons, but there was a the client number two and client number three at Golf Tech uh, was originally called Marina Square, the first Golf Tech ever. The first two of the first three people in the door, I think they're still taking lessons with Ty today. Jim wow. Lindbergh and Roger Greenberg, and they might not be anymore, but they were taking all the years I was at Golf Tech, they were taking lessons Tuesday at six and six thirty. Like I mean, client number two and three, then they've taken, I mean, how many years of golf instruction? Right. I mean, 25. Yeah. You know, so how much have they spent? You know, at least a thousand bucks a year. There were clients at Golf Tech that spent 50 grand when you Mm -hmm. added up all the lessons and clubs and and everything. So that's long term 
loyalty to you as a coach is is the key or one of the keys. Certainly. Well, gentlemen, kind of switching gears just a little bit, um, you know, you talk about the con- the overall concept of sales. And we, we all know there are huge numbers of incredibly successful instructors out there that could look at this or listen to this and say, you know what? I don't need it. My business is great. My business is booming. I'm booked all the time. Um, I like where my prices are at, whatever. What would you say to somebody who's a naysayer to sales training and sales coaching? You know, why why should you look into this? I, well, I'll, I'll tackle that one first, Pitch. Please. You're all good. As long as, as, long as you're... <laughs> As you're teaching a, a healthy amount and you're making the revenue that you want to make, that's great. I, I would first ask, though, if you don't mind, Holly, how many hours a week are you working right now? Mm-hmm. And, and how booked are you and how much are you charging? And, geez, what if we could get you to work four days a week versus six days a week? And most of the coaches that I talk to are working at least six days a week, in some cases seven. Uh, in in and I would, for you know, knowing your current situation, congratulations, by the way, I don't think I've said that. Uh, Thank you. I, I would certainly bring that up, knowing your situation. Hey, if, how many hours are you going to work when the little one arrives? And how many hours do you want to work? So I would try to find some, you know, some connection to what their life is uh, and, and kind of call, call a little bit of BS on that. I'm making enough money and I'm working hours that I'm, that I'm happy with. And if that's true, great. Then, hey, we're, we're in good, good shape. Are any of your friends working more than they would like to and making less than they would like. <laughs> That's the next place that I would go. So pitch, I'll shut up and let you, you tackle that one. Then. You, you hit the nail on the head, Andy. It is. I, I love it. I mean, I get people all the time and, and you know, like I said, uh, I've been in this business, uh, Sandler business now as a trainer for four years, over well, four and a half years now. And uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the economy has been pretty darn good for until the last six or eight weeks. Right. And so quite frankly, there was a lot of people out there that when I would call them up and try to talk about sales training, shoot, we're good. We're great. We're wonderful. Right. We're crushing it. There isn't. That was absolute truth. And I'd never try to stick a square peg in a round hole. And that's absolutely fine. You know, some of them are finding out in the last six to eight weeks, they were just taking orders instead of selling. But, you know, that's no problem there. But you're absolutely right, Andy, is that, you know, challenge them there. One thing that I I love to do with with people in sales is um, do the math for them. And it's not just your hourly rate that you that's on your rate card. What's your hourly rate? And so if you think about how many hours a year you work, how long are you on the clock? So if you work, so the average, uh, so let's do the math real quick for the listeners. Everybody want to play along? Nod your heads. Come on, <laughs> nod your heads. Okay. You said six days a week. Seriously? How many, how many hours a day are those typical professionals working, Andy? I don't think they measure it to know, but they'll, but they'll say, I mean, let me re- define that teaching working versus teaching are two different things. In my opinion, working. Uh, most of them will say that they're full. And when I question that and say, well, so how many lessons did you teach yesterday? And you were there for 10 hours and you taught seven. That's not full. Nope. That's, that's three hours of you being there and not being at home with your family and seven hours of you making money. The other one I would, well, keep going, pitch. So 10, because that's the number you use because you were there for 10. 
away from your family, not doing what you want, going back where you were talking about the pain of, uh, of not being able to, to, you know, work little so that's 60 hours a week, you know, or let's say 10 hours a day, 60, you know, let's just say you took a couple hours off a uh, couple weeks off a year, 50, uh, that's 3000 hours is right. 60 times 50 Mississippi state, man, help me out with the math. Oh, you had Mississippi State, exactly. You just answered your own question. Holly, like, Holly where did you go to school? <laughs> Methodist University. Methodist, obviously, better. Help us out with math. Is that right? 60 times yes. 50? All right. Yes. So when you think about, you take 3,000 hours, this ought to scare the hell out of anybody doing this. What did you make last year and divide that by 3,000? That's your real hourly rate. And then here's the thing. What do you want to make? What's your desired income? So all of a sudden, I wa- and I don't have it in front of me. It's over there in my thing. I walk around with a bright neon green note card with my desired hourly rate on it. How much money do I want to make an hour? And what I think about every minute, if I look up, and it's during quote unquote working hours is what I'm doing now, the most profitable use of my time. Should I be sending out an email or a text to a client? Should I be, you know, and put it in the golf terms? Should I be working on booking lessons out? Should I be doing an activity? If I'm not teaching, should I be doing an activity that gives me an opportunity to teach more people at a higher rate? So when you start looking at the delta between what your real hourly rate is, not all, what's on your rate card, what your real hourly rate is on what you really want to make on an hourly rate, that's what we call quantifying pain <laughs> and knowing how much that pain gap is will make you pay attention. If all, if all of our listeners did the math on what they want to make on an hourly rate, all of a sudden people will start paying attention to how they're spending their time uh, during the day. So, so funny. I love, I love it, Pitch. I love it. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan. You got me as a as a as a fan. So, uh, I've had one golf coach that's done that, and all the coaches I've worked with, Tim Conaway in Sarasota, Florida. He said, okay. "Well, my hourly rate is a buck seventy-five, but I generally make about seventy-five an hour if you do the math." And that was exactly what he did. Here's my total work time, and here's what I made. And so he's like, "My goal is to get that hourly rate closer to what my actual rate card is, because I discount here and there, you know, all the different reasons why his you know buck seventy-five an hour is really about you know I think it was like seventy-seven bucks an hour, whatever it was. That's absolutely the uh, what was it again? The pain delta." What was it? Uh, the gap between what you want to make is the delta, the pain delta. It's quantified pain. Thanks and for teaching you, me, buddy. I appreciate that. Hey, hey, that's your lesson learned of the day, man. It's you, Walker. Anybody, if you pay attention to that, and and you're always thinking about this is what I'm pushing in the middle of the table. If you always think like a business owner, that that hour costs. You know, Tim's example, $75 where he is right now thinking about, is this what I'm doing right now worth 75 bucks? Because that's what I'm pushing in the middle of the table because that time's going away regardless. How are you using your time? Are you investing the $75 to make more down the road? We, uh, we teach in a perishable inventory business. When the hour is gone, we're never getting it back. Amen, brother. It's same with me. 
And so uh, we got to It's our most precious resources, you know, getting around it. So. So true. So true. Well, to kind of close this out, I have one last question for each of you. If you could impart one thing that has been the absolute best thing you've learned about sales in your career and share that, what would what would you put your finger on that has been the best piece of advice or best tactic that you've ever learned in sales? You go first, buddy. <laughs> it's not a tactic. It's a behavior and attitudinal thing. Um, and uh, it comes from... Uh, uh, from my friend, John Rosso. John Rosso is legendary in the Sandler business. And he was my first trainer ever when I was in Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, John talks about consistency. Be consistent with your behaviors. Consistency, consistently taking action on what you know you need to do to drive your business. Consistent behavior beats spiky behavior every day of the week and twice on Sunday. If you think about it, and John said this, if you hit your behavior goals in one week, meaning you reach out to a certain number of clients, you taught enough lessons, whatever, you take one step forward or one step up in your business. Every week you don't hit your goals, you take two steps back. And so think about that. It's almost scary. That if you're not consistent, that's a slow decline into oblivion. So if nothing else, find out what behaviors you need to do and do them consistently. And consistency will bring you doing it better over time. So be consistent. That's my big one. Uh, if you're if you were a golfer, I'd say, what does consistency mean to you, Josh? No, I'm just teasing. Uh, which is, <laughs> by the way, I was listening to you st- to steal a pitch a pitchism here. Uh, I'm curious, what exactly does consistency mean to you? I see so many coaches that just let that question go, and you got to dive deeper into the pain on that one. But uh, I would I would say, as somebody who was labeled king of the five pack at golf <laughs> for many years, and and king of the five pack is not a uh, it's not a term you like to be to be you know. Uh, labeled as I would say the biggest thing for me was finding a coach. I needed help and I needed, you know, more strategies other than the Dale Carnegie will ask more questions or the Ty Walker, you know, some of his tie strategies that I learned that were, that were okay. And they were helpful. Once I found a coach uh, that was dedicated to helping me get through my head trash, dedicated to help me, you know, find the right attitude, help build the right behaviors, and then teach me techniques that were effective and didn't make me feel salesy. I always wanted to be, you know, a coach in my student's mind. I never wanted to be the salesperson. And that was probably some of my biggest head trash, but I needed to find a coach to help me through that. And that was Gary uh, Harvey from from Sandler. And um, that's it. Find a coach. Perfect. Yep. Such great concepts. And thank you for sharing those. Um, Well, Andy Hiltz, thank you very much. Josh Pitchford, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Elevation Podcast. Thanks very much. If you enjoyed this episode's content, feel free to reach out to Andy Hiltz or Josh Pitchford for more information. They would be happy to connect with you via email or LinkedIn. Should you need their contact information, please contact the Colorado PGA for more.